How do you think people feel about the IRS? Well, I can tell you the answer. People don't love the IRS. It's intimidating. It wields unrestrained power, and you have no recourse. It's virtually impossible to fight back. All right, well, let's be honest here. A lot of us have that same experience with religion. Hurt so badly by manipulative, false teaching given with unrestrained power, and then told, well, you know what, it's just the way it is. We feel like we have no recourse, like we can't fight back. But beloved, we can. You can. Let's talk about this false narrative and how we can respond. And we're going to give you one of the most powerful teachings that we've ever done. This is a great episode. Would it be okay if I were to tell you that I am afraid someday? So I call you up and you call me down. Would it be okay? Well, hello and welcome to the Freed Hearts Podcast. We're so glad you're here. This is episode 63. Wow, we're really excited. My name is Robert Cottrell, and I'm here as always with... Susan Cottrell. Oh, hi. Hi. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing good. We are moving some stuff around in our lives, and we are kind of uh, recording this episode in particular, and kind of in the midst of a construction zone inside and right on the corner. There's a massive construction project going on, but we think they're either at lunch or on a break, so we don't expect any uh, any loud construction sounds there. So anyway... Welcome to our world. Mm-hmm. Um, again, thanks so much for being here, sharing this experience with us, this time with us. Oh, looking out the window, there's this little teeny tiny girl in these big old yellow boots just running across the parking lot. It's so cute. She's so cute. Um, okay. Sorry. Back on track. <laughs> Squirrel. Um, <laughs> anyway, thanks for being with us. We're deeply grateful. And as always, share on social media. It really helps get the word out. And please subscribe and follow and support if you can. And don't forget to rate, especially on Apple Podcasts. If you can give us five stars, we would be very grateful. That does help a lot. And please check out our resources. We have uh, extensive resources. We get asked a lot of questions all the time. And most of our answers are available right there on the website, especially on the resources page. We've redesigned it a little bit, by the way, to make it easier to find some of our merch not that cool word? Merch. We have merch. Uh, <laughs> t-shirts and hoodies and mugs and flags and all that stuff with a variety of sayings on them. And from hashtag I chose my child to all kinds of things there. There's now a, a much better link for that. Uh, we've um, and we've so we've updated that a bit, including moving some of our premium courses over to our beloved adventures. So yes. now on our beloved adventures, you will find the LGBTQ course which is a foundational course that you did, Susan, and the parents course, which addresses core issues and tough questions and some great stuff and all that's available as every one of our beloved adventures are, is you pick what you pay. And if you can pay more than the top amount, please do. That helps make all we do possible. If you can't afford the lowest amount that's available there, just reach out to us. We have scholarships available and we will find a way to get you any resource that we have that you need. Uh, but please do check it out. And coming up very soon, we have a whole 25-day wizarding adventure about Harry Potter. And we'll talk in a couple of episodes about that and really ask and discuss the question on what do we do about Harry? What do we do about these books and these characters that we love so dearly uh, in the face of an author that is just so out of touch about so transgender? Yes, yes, so transphobic. So we're going to talk yeah. about that. But that's coming up this summer. I think the launch date is seven seven twenty two. if I believe we have that correctly. So, so what are we going to talk about today? We're going to talk about 
to, I don't know, just, just beloved things, to amazing beloved institutions, religion and the IRS. <laughs> Gotta love them. You really don't. Are you still with us? Oh, good. Good. Okay. Thanks for hanging around for that. But how do you think people feel about the IRS? How do you think, I mean, do you think they love it and are grateful for how much it does for us in this country? I was just listening to when they, when they launched taxes in the, in the current program, a lot of it was in during the Second World War. And the government, the IRS, turned to a, an amazing spokesperson on this, and it was Donald Duck. And Donald did, it was an Academy-nominated documentary short that Donald Duck did. That's hard to say. <laughs> Donald Duck did. And it was about if you're patriotic, and people responded. And the majority of them had a high view, a high opinion of the IRS. That is not the case now. Folks, they don't love the IRS. They don't. And it just is in our lives. It's like, you know, the only two certainties, death and taxes. And people in the modern world hate both of them because both religion and the IRS, I'm sure both death and taxes too. Um, but why do they hate the IRS? Because it's, oh my gosh, the list is, it's intimidating. It wields unrestrained power. And if you get into a battle or a fight, you really don't have any recourse. You can't really fight back because they hold all the cards in control. And again, it was originally started, originally started as a temporary measure to help fund the Civil War. And it was allowed to expire 10 years later. But then I think in 1913 or somewhere around that, you know, that was, a, let's revive this. And the 16th Amendment established the Bureau of Internal Revenue. And it's been in place ever since. And I know, I'm not saying taxes are a bad thing because they fund roads and schools and all the things that they, they should fund. They do a lot. They make possible a lot of really important things. But we're just saying that there was a point in time when there was no IRS, even if it feels like it's been around forever. You know, your, your grandparents pay taxes, your dad pay taxes, you pay taxes, your kids will pay taxes. It just is. Yeah. And a lot of people in our community here with us have had the same experience with religion. <laughs> yeah. My gosh, they've been hurt so badly by false teaching, religious teaching, and they've been told this is the way it is. Just like it or lump it. And they can't speak back to the, to the, to the religion, <laughs> to the IRS or religion. Freudian slip. Uh-huh. It just is the way it is. And, and the elements they're told, that we're told, is... You know, those elements have been so hurtful. Mm. And they're elements that don't work. The pieces don't fit together. Um, my seminary professor always loved how she said, theology is some ideas that don't really work together. <laughs> yes. And it's, it's true in our religions. Yeah, there's a, there's a whole lot you say that. And there's a whole lot that, as evangelicals, I just remember, you know, having hearing that pat answer, that, well, God works in mysterious ways. You know, and when there's something that goes, well, wait a minute, well, what is that and that? And there, if you just kind of step back, right. open your box as we, right. that you have God in, so to speak, there are a lot of things that like, well, that doesn't, just doesn't fit together. It right. just doesn't work together. Yeah, that stuff you say, God, that you just attributed to God makes God a jerk. <laughs> so let's not, I don't think that's true. Yeah. yeah. The pieces don't fit together and you can't live life through it. If you can't live life through it, it's not a workable theology. Mm. And the damage from non-affirming evangelical or other religious teaching 
it is just, it's impossible to overstate. Yeah. You know, people feel caught up in the desire to be yourself and fear of what your religion is telling you. <sighs> and that may include your pastor, your priest, your youth group leader, even your parents. Sometimes are afraid of the IRS because of fear of what might happen. Right. <laughs> but I get so frustrated sometimes now that the more I think about the fear that people have that's that is associated with religion with god yeah and just how well what a horrible thing that is and what how wrong thing. that is yes and people in authority are telling you about this about god and telling you what to believe in god mm. and that the things that you believe intuitively they say are wrong it's just appalling and the damage that comes from rules based religion you know what is rules-based religion? It's the premise that a person can have a meaningful or life-giving relationship with the divine, whatever that divine may mean, based on rules. That a person can, yeah. Yeah, anytime there's a rule, by the way, there's a rule setter. Yeah, and a rule enforcer. All, yes, yes, and a rule enforcer, yeah. by the way. And they, just a reminder, they tried to pin Jesus down. What are the two big rules, commandments, laws? And he said, oh, they're simple. Love God, love your neighbor. If you're not doing one, you're not doing the other. And if you do that, you're doing everything. <laughs> There's not a lot of power that, that can be grabbed from those two rules because those two, quote, rules are so freeing. Yes. So if there are rules, think about this. If there are rules, a list of rules, there was someone that made the list of rules and a whole group of people that are self-designated or the system that they control or so, to enforce those rules. Yeah, so, yeah. bouncers. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you can't, That's funny. You can't have a personal relationship, as Christians say. You can't have that based on rules. You just can't. The premise is deeply flawed. If your relationship with parents is based on rules, and many of us are, that's true, mm. on obedience it's a deeply flawed relationship. Well, we talked about this, I think, ages ago in one of our episodes about marriage, I think, that if I give you a list of rules, you things you must do as my wife, and one of them is, let's say, be faithful yeah. to me. And you respond, got it. I understand the rules, and I will obey because it's a rule. Yeah. Well, do I feel loved and desired? No, my gosh. But yeah. if you say... It's because of my love for you that I don't. That's just, that's, that's a relationship. Right. And the same thing is true in a much bigger sense with God, with religion. We want to help free you, ah, freed hearts, free you from this flawed, <laughs> free, your heart. free your heart, from this flawed thinking that has permeated religion, like the smell of cigarette smoke permeates the wall of a smoker's house, my mom's house. <laughs> my I think gosh. of that every time I use that analogy. When, after she passed, uh, and we, actually, we, she moved in with us for the last few months of her life, battling cancer, and, and leaving that house, good night, it was in the walls. Yeah. Because she smoked, you know, and she had lung cancer. Yeah. It just everywhere. And as we've said a thousand or a hundred times, thousand times here, well, 63 episodes, 10 times, 630 times. <laughs> uh, we have zero interest in anyone being of any certain faith. That's not why we talk about religion. We right. talk about religion to help you disentangle from it. And again, religion is not the same in any way as a relationship with God as you define that. So just let's make sure we understand that. Yeah. And we want to kind of unwrap this from around your neck. 
so it won't strangle you. That's all. You know, we don't want you to believe in a in a in a angry, punitive God who's out to punish you, because that will strangle you. That will strangle the life and the hope and the joy right out of you. And we don't want you to be strangled. It's we funny love you. you use that analogy because our youngest daughter was born with the cord wrapped around her neck twice. Yep. Which is highly unusual to have it wrapped around twice. But as soon as they saw that, it was stat. And they were in there, they were getting her out. And that they had to ease the cord around her, you know, over her head from around her neck first thing, or it would strangle her. And that's like, okay, so first thing, forget about eating fish on Friday or whatever, whatever the current rule is for you. But instead, let's stop you strangling from this relationship you've Mm -hmm. been told about who God is. So you can breathe. So you can breathe. There you go. Remember, I can't breathe? Yeah. Yeah. We want you to breathe. And when all you've known, sweetheart, and, and is rules-based religion, then you may wonder how there could be any other kind. I mean, and we were in the middle of it, and we felt, we actually felt for most of our evangelical lives free from rule-based religion. We did. Because we were non-denominational. That was, that was the narrative that a lot of the non-affirming evangelical church gives about denominations, uh, that how how bound up they are by rules, but there are just as many rules in, in in evangelical church. That you wonder how how could there be any other kind? Like <laughs> we, you know, if you've traveled abroad, and as Americans, we just feel like English is spoken everywhere, and it is spoken in a lot of places. A lot of places, right? But but not everywhere, and we feel like we're entitled to it. We're yeah. like, I don't I don't think other languages are a big deal yeah, because. Don't, don't you speak English here? Yeah, you should speak English. That's it's English. Yet we we get furious when someone comes here who doesn't speak English. Who doesn't speak English, and 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 we yes. Anyway, okay, but that you know what that's a fundamental flaw. This is a fundamental flaw, and we want to talk about the fundamental flaw in today's religious teaching. Yeah, rules based faiths believe that the problem with us is sin. And that it's the job of the faithful Christian, the faithful Catholic, faithful Muslim, faithful whatever religion it is, to stamp out sin in themselves and others. Side note, their definition of sin is in a specific line item kind of way, a personal piety kind of way. It does not see the systemic sin that takes advantage of the poor and those without resources. And that's actually what the Bible means by sin. Instead, they view it as transactional. It's like the guy who goes into confession. <laughs> he confesses this big sin, and the priest doesn't know what to say because it's not a usual sin. And so he's, he says, I don't know, say three Hail Marys and call me in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> it's just this for that. And we've done episodes on what is sin, where, where we go deeply into this. That's not what we're doing here, but... Flush this out. I just want to be quiet for a bit and let you go because I love when you do that. So okay. just flush this thing out for me. Okay. So the fundamental flaw in that paradigm of transactional sin is that the job of the faithful is to stamp out sin. And I'll show you what I mean by that. Think about what you've been told it takes for you to be a faithful follower. Make a mental list. Pray, read the scriptures, etc. Now think of what you must not do to be a faithful follower. Make a mental list. Don't steal, don't cuss whatever it is, you end up with a to-do list, actually a do list and a don't list. You do these things, you're, don't do these things, you're a faithful follower. And if you have a problem, we'll be told, 
it's because you're not doing the do things or you're doing the don't things. And we say it's about a personal relationship with God through Jesus. That's what many Christians say, but we don't mean it. What we really mean is get your act together, obey your leaders, which is the same as obeying God, and you'll be good. That's what we're told. Are you going to do this thing here now? I am going to do this thing. Oh my gosh. If you're listening to us, I guess if you're listening to us, of course you're listening to us or you wouldn't have heard what I just said. Um, But if you're doing something, if you're making a smoothie, working on the car, painting the house, uh, watching Netflix while you're listening to the podcast, whatever you're doing right now, I encourage you to just take a moment and put that down and focus because this, if you're going to do what I think you're going to do, this is, this is transformational. You did this once at an event that had some pastors in the audience. These are pastors that we deeply mm-hmm. respect and, and they were at the end go, oh my gosh, I've never heard that before yeah. in that way. That's transformational. So so go yeah. for it. I, I'm, I'm excited. <laughs> I hope you're going to do what I think you're going to do. If not, yeah. we'll go back. I, am. I think <laughs> so, I am. Yeah. Okay. So imagine what you wrote on that piece of paper, the do-don't list on your paper, okay? Now, set that down in your mind. Set that down in the middle of a piece of paper and draw a big, draw a trunk on it and draw a big canopy of leaves around it. And you've got a tree. It's the tree way back in Genesis, called the tree of knowledge of good and evil. See, there are the do things, which are good, and avoid the don't things, which are evil. And there you have it. That's a transactional analysis of what it means to be a good person of your faith. Yep. But remember, it's not the tree of good and evil. It's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So it's basically the knowledge of good and evil in a transactional way. You know, this and this and this will make you a good follower. What's always fascinated me there too is good and do's and don'ts, good and evil are on the same tree. Yes. You know, it's the same tree. Yes. Yeah. The garden doesn't say, here's the knowledge of good, or here's the good tree, eat from this. Here's the evil tree, avoid this. It doesn't say that. Yes, the do- it's one tree. That's that's a good point, Rob. It's one tree with the knowledge of good and evil. Good and evil, yeah. Yes. And it's the good and evil. It's knowledge of good and evil in a transactional way. It's living your faith with God as, as if God is watching you do the good things and avoid the evil things, keeping the score on that. And that you're helping other people do the good and avoid the evil. Or you're even deciding for other people because of that knowledge of good and evil. You're deciding for other people what is good and evil. Are you with me on this so far? I am. In the story in Genesis there, God expressly tells us not to eat from that tree. Don't eat from that tree because we are not equipped to determine what's right and wrong especially for other people. When we boil down our rights and wrongs into a transactional list, then you've suddenly got the entire legal system, which we see doesn't work for people. So, you know, and we say, well, you know, it's not good to be gay, we might say. Somebody, not we, but somebody in church would say, and if pressed, they might say, well, it's okay to be gay, but not, it's evil to be trans. Yeah. Or it's okay to be gay, but just don't act on it. Or right, right. All of these transactional details and loopholes and all of that. And these are decisions people make. Your parents, your church, your religious leaders, 
that they are in no position to make because they don't have that kind of wisdom. We don't have that kind of wisdom to determine good and evil for other people in a transactional way. Does that make sense so far? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we should not try to make these kinds of tit-for-tat lists of right and wrong. Even for myself, I shouldn't do that because I don't believe the same things today that I did even five years ago. So if I'd been that staunch about the rightness of my beliefs five years ago, I'd have been even more wrong. And so, but especially for others, I have no business telling other people where they're sinning and not sinning in this transactional way. Mm. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and again, we talked about Jesus saying, love God, love others. That's, this is partly why, you know, that's so important because it just, it's always fascinating. You can be doing your whole life of a list of the good things. It's on the same tree as spending your whole life doing most of the bad things. I know that sounds extreme, but it's the same tree. And there's a reason why that is. And I think you'll get to that. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you now, because it puts you in the position, you're making a transaction of a relationship. Mm. If I do this, I get this. If I don't do this. Yeah. And it's still all your gutted up willpower. Mm. I mean, you hear about trans people when they're in the first throes of wrestling with being trans and they fill their closet with, with the clothes of their chosen gender and then they throw them all away and then they fill their closet, <laughs> they binge and purge because they're wrestling with their identity as being trans or the gay guy who has, who has sex, you know, and maybe in a, a, a lot of sex and then he feels really horrible about himself so he doesn't have sex. Mm-hmm. Then he goes out and have sex again because it's a... It's a transactional. It's the it's, whole thing. Yeah. And yep. it's all based on your willpower. And we don't... Willpower is not where relationship comes from. As you said mm. a while ago, if I were faithful to you strictly out of willpower because my our marriage agreement says that I should be, that'd be the stupidest thing in the world. You would hate it and I would hate it. But I'm faithful because I love you and I want to be faithful. <laughs> There's that word again. Love. Yeah. 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 You know, but so often that we use the Bible to say, oh, look, it says this right here. It's still, it, it, that's still, it's still wrong. It, it, that's out of context or it's an edited it's or whatever. It's still subject to interpretation. It's, that's exactly right. Because there yeah. have been crusades and witch hunts and purging of trans people out of public places that had an purging element, gay people. Yeah, yeah, an element of using the Bible or some sort of scripture in a static way to determine right and wrong at that time as a static thing instead of a relational right. thing. And Jesus says exactly that when he lambasts the religious leaders who he calls the most untrustworthy to lead us towards God in Matthew 23. So what, Susan, this is great. What's the <laughs> alternative? Yeah, let me just say one more thing is that racism you know, the whole slavery thing that was based on pulling some verses out of the Bible. Sure. You can easily pull verses out of the Bible. The oppression of women, the oppression of children, keeping them locked into, into abusive families mm-hmm. with an abusive man, whatever is based on, well, you can't leave because the Bible says so. It's right. It, so it leads to horrible damage. So if we want to get into God's, quote, get into God's heaven, as Christians describe, <laughs> uh, which is a very yeah. flawed concept, then you must be good enough measure up enough to deserve heaven. And what what a horrible, crippling, strangling yeah. theology that is. So again, is yeah. there... There's not another tree in the garden, is I'm there? I'm glad you asked. There's another tree in the garden. 
And the story there says to eat from that tree. And that's the tree of life. And this is based on relationship with God and with each other. You know, that single most important double-edged command to love God and love others? Yeah, that's based on the tree of life. And the Holy Spirit leads us in all truth about say, right and wrong. How do we know how do we know what to do then? Yeah. Because and Jesus tells us that the Spirit will lead us in all truth. That's right. And really it's leading us in truth for ourselves, not so much for others, in a love relationship. That's a that's the whole plank in my eye and the speck in your eye is I better be hearing the Holy Spirit on me. Yeah. A whole lot more, a million times more than I'm hearing them, the Holy Spirit for you. Well, last week we talked about making ourselves happy and making others happy. And the and the absolute first step at trying to be effective at making anybody else, quote, I'm quote, making anybody else happy is being happy ourselves, self-care, yes. self-love, being happy. Being authentic. Being authentic, yeah. Speaking truth yeah. in our own lives, which will set us free, knowing yeah. the truth about ourselves, which is how beloved and amazing yeah. and wonderful we are. So the tree of life. The tree of life. And so I said, I said in a minute, a minute ago that, you know, we can't determine right or wrong for other people in a transactional way. It's not, I want to be careful here because it's not to say if a father's molesting his children or a mother is molesting their children, well, I, I can't say if that's right or wrong. No, that's not the same thing. That's not a transactional way. That's a, a relationship way where the point of love is caring for each other. It's not, well, I don't know. I don't know. The Bible says do this, so you got to do it. Well, and that also violates love God, love others. It does. It does violate that. You know, Being gay doesn't violate love God, love others. (laughs) Molesting children or stealing from people or whatever does. So, all right. Um, Let me see. What what was the next thing I was going to say? So, truth Hmm. without relationship being a, a Christian or a Muslim or a whoever without relationship is a perversion of truth. Yeah, it's it's not truth. It's not really part of faith or, you know, it's like yeah. it's like the quote evangelical term walk with God. Any kind of faith it's like a journey. These words we use in spiritual things, a walk with yes. God, a journey. We yeah. don't do those things alone. You do those things in a relationship. In relationship, right. And to say the point of being Christian, for example, is is to walk with God is a very, very different thing than the point of being a Christian or whatever is to obey God. That's a completely, completely different thing. Because the whole point of one's faith, in relationship. Because yeah, the whole point of faith is to restore wholeness, right? To That's restore exactly relationship right. in community. Yeah. That's right. And sin, when it's properly understood, is the perpetuation of systems of inequity that prevent wholeness, that disproportionately harm those with less power, less resources, less visibility. That's what the Bible meant by the least of these. And we seem to be seeing that on an increasing basis out there with our kids, with trans kids, with with just a lot out there. We yeah. seem, that seems to be increasing the the division over that, what that is and the willingness to accept that kind of thing. Yeah, one of my favorite quotes in the Bible is when Jesus says, go and find out what this means. I desire for you to show love, not to offer your sacrifices. And he's saying, God doesn't want your piddly to-do list. For heaven's sake, God didn't want you to hand in your piece of paper like 
you know, a third grader and say, look, I did everything you asked. God wants you to love and care for each other, you, us, period. It's a journey to go and find out what this means. What does it mean to love each other? What does it mean to show love instead of keeping your to-do list? And, you know, what would it mean to face the rampant transphobia that results in murder, especially of trans women of color? What would it mean to face the white supremacy that is cemented into the cornerstones of America's founding? What would it mean if we stop saying, women got the vote in 1920, which is, keep in mind, only 100 years ago. And only white 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 men and women. Instead, we just recognized it and said, white women got the vote in 1920. These are all systemic sins. That's what sin really addresses is systemic issues that keep people down, that keep the powerless powerless. The least of these. The least of these, that keep the least empowered powerless, the least visible invisible, the least resourced without resources. This rules, these policies, these beliefs, this theology has nothing to do with being gay or trans or not submitting sufficiently to authority, being non-compliant. That's not what it has anything to do with. Right. These systems have to do with with maintaining systems of power on earth, you know, in our systems. And we have a lot of systemic sin to face up to, a lot of systemic sin to face up to. And the sin in this paradigm is not yours. Mm. It's the authorities and authority structures around you that do not support your full human potential. They don't tell you that. They make us feel like it's our fault. It's our doing, and don't let them do that to you, okay? Yeah, Yeah. it's like if you are a five-year-old in the family and you spilled your cereal all over the floor and your parents came in and just railed on you, the same parents that fight, that beat each other, that beat you, and then they blame you for it, okay? You may have spilled your milk, your cereal, but the sin in that whole setting is not yours. It's theirs, totally. And don't let them tell you otherwise. Don't let them tell you that you're being gay or trans or whatever it is. Or supportive of your gay or trans child. Right. Or being a whatever perfectly color, a person of color who's not compliant enough to police. Don't let them tell you that the sin is yours. It's not yours. It's the authorities. It's the systems in place. Okay. And I want to tell you another reason that religion is like the IRS. Mm. The IRS audits the poor <laughs> much more than the rich, much more. Reports like, sorry, it's just cheaper and easier to audit the poor. <laughs> I read that online as, an, as a title of an article. It's true. The rich have tons of lawyers to wrangle out every dollar. And so they go to the poor disproportionately who don't have those resources to fight back. They're just stuck. And that's the way it is. Mm. And it is unconscionable. That again, that's more systemic sin that is not yours. Similarly, the church leadership gets away with all kinds of atrocious acts, abuse of women and children, sexual and otherwise. The Catholic church abuse scandal has been very highly visible, but Protestants are just as guilty and they hide things. They, They shuffle priests, pastors around to avoid exposure, no pun intended to avoid removal, to avoid paying damages. These enclaves of power 
in the top ranks of leaders are highly concentrated and power concentrated is power abused. And they extend that shield of protection down the lines to men, white men, straight white men, being brought up like yeah. Josh Duggar. Yeah, there's all of that. So many protected. examples. Yeah, so many examples. Yeah, yeah. yeah. men, uh, you know, date raping and getting off because the judge says, "Well, I, I don't want to ruin his life." <laughs> yeah, he just ruined her life, but okay, right? And I say all this in the hopes of exposing that religion is a human institution. We have to remember that. It is not handed down from God on high, even though we're told that it is. It's not. You can see that. You can see it in the way humans have carried it out. Yeah. All right. Well, to wrap this up, so what what can you do about it? What can you do about this? We've talked about how religion is like the IRS, and yeah. the IRS is like religion. So what can you do about it? Well, I've heard I've heard people going off the grid and not paying taxes. Actually, someone told me this whole theory about how you know, it was voluntary and you, and you don't have to pay. And then he, he was telling me this theory from his cell in a federal prison. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So again, you can't push back sometimes. You know, I don't know if that's true or not. I'm sure some of you out there may have some, a lot more authority and resources, but I do know the wealthier you are, the the truer it is that you don't really have to pay taxes if you don't yeah. want to. Um, and, and we don't mind paying for roads no, and schools, et cetera, yeah. but we do mind that those expenses weigh heavily, most heavily on the poor instead of on the mega rich. Yeah, they're the whole things about how how the vast majority, well, anyway, yes, the, the the burden of taxes, not the dollar amount. You know, I, we joke about this, that, you know, who would pay $5,000 for a seat on an airline in first class? Well, if $5,000 to a multimillionaire is like $5 to me and you, I'd pay five bucks to sit in first class. You know what I mean? So so it's not the amount that's paid. It's the burden on the people. And the burden is much heavier or on the poor and middle class as, as far as taxes go. Um, and again, I don't know about the, the voluntary thing. <laughs> Who knows? You know, but, but here's what I do know. Here's what I do know. I don't know if paying taxes is voluntary or not, but I do know that church is voluntary. That's the difference. Religion is voluntary. You can open that box. You can go off the grid and do what you want here as spirit moves you. It may not feel voluntary or more people would do it, honestly. Well, and a lot of people are doing it. We hear from them every single day. You are not legally or morally or spiritually obligated to go to church or other worship service. No one's been struck by lightning when they leave and walk away from that. Let me just name something right here. And if you're listening and you're stuck and your parents make you go to church and you have no no choice about it, I see you. And I'm sorry. Yeah. And I hope that someday you will have enough, you will, freedom to do what what is right for you to do. Yeah. But we know that some people are stuck because of age yeah. or circumstance. And we talked a couple of weeks ago, I think, about, about you know, that I'm so glad that, you know, AirPods are very small and you can fit in your ear and, yeah. and 
you know, Bluetooth it to your phone and listen to something, or you can doodle according to what you're saying to your, your parents about that, but you can, or just doodle, you can make notes or whatever, do anything if you need to, if you're, if you're forced to sit under damaging teaching, do what you have to do to try to zone out of that if you can. To zen out. To zen out, <laughs> yeah. Because my, here's the most important part of going rogue here on this is that you are probably, you are more likely to have a true experience of the divine of God. Of spirit. Of spirit than in a human institution of religion. We talk about how we opened that box we had God in and all heaven broke loose. Our spiritual walk, our relationship with spirit and with God is deeper and richer and more profound and more satisfying than it has ever been at any time in our life. And we're just putting that out there. And if this rings a bell for you, try it out. Yeah. And just about the, the paradigm I laid out there, the, the two trees is what we call it, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the, the tree of life, is I really invite you to really take this up and look at what your spiritual life is. And when you do things, do you do it? Mm because it's on this, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you've been told it's good, or you avoid it because you've been told it's evil, and you may have read it in the Bible, you know, probably without mm-hmm. context, or is it because it's on the tree of life? Yeah. And a big part of that is when you don't know where something is difficult for you, or you're, you don't know where your heart is on something, is to go to spirit directly and listen with your gut, put the question out there, and listen with your inner being to hear the answer instead of relying on the words on the page, mm-hmm. which are all subject to human interpretation, human translation, and all the rest. Out of context. Yeah. Out, you know, so go, yes. go to spirit from the tree of life with your questions and your heart longings. Yeah. Don't go to the tree of knowledge. Well, I, I've been told this and that. So yeah. that's and that's one thing. Again, what yeah. you can do is understand it's voluntary. You you do have the power here for most of you. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing you can do is really tune that radar to see what's happening in the garden in of, yes. of your life. Is that you know again remembering that list of the really good things we should do and the list of the really bad things we shouldn't do are on the same tree. And so if you're doing things or not doing things based on a list or something like that or or pressure, whatever, have that radar tuned where a little flag goes up and you go, huh, mm-hmm. I don't think that's from the tree of life. And remembering that when you eat off the tree of life, your spirit will tell you, the spirit will tell you, you'll, you know, you know, beloved. You're all good. Your heart is good. You can trust your heart. Mm-hmm. You can trust your spirit. You'll know when you're eating off the tree of life. You'll know what right and wrong is. Well, and, and we, more and more as you resuscitate your true heart that's been that's been crushed by rules and laws. So in the beginning, it may feel very uncomfortable. You may feel very guilty yeah. for doing things that are on the tree of life. But that but keep going yeah. and keep pressing into spirit. And let your heart open up and heal from the wounds as and you, you will know increasingly. Yeah. As you unwrap, take those cords from around your neck, you will begin to breathe. Yes. And you will and you will know you are beloved. We want your heart to be free. 
We're, we're so glad. Next week, we're going to kind of continue this a little bit and talk about, when you talk about relationships and things like that, is that, you know, in all of this, relationships come in because you're getting feedback from family and friends and everything and all this. So how do you know, how can we tell if a relationship is safe? We're going to talk about that next week. So yeah. until then, we love you. You are beloved. Your heart is good. And we will see you next week. We love you. We love you. Bye. Bye. Would it be okay if I were to tell you that I am afraid someday so I call you up and you call me down would it be okay you've been listening to the freed hearts podcast we have extensive resources and vibrant community for you at www.freedhearts.org just come say hello and if you have questions or issues or comments about the podcast things you'd like us to talk about reach out to us at podcast at freedhearts.org the music is provided by Hannah Cottrell our daughter the Grammy nominated Saint Sinner and you can find out more about her at heystcenter.com. Please share this, subscribe, and follow on your favorite platform. And thanks for listening.